0: Live streaming provided by Alpha Geek Radio and Alpha Geek Video. Visit tunein.alphageekradio.com to learn more.
1: Finally, Friday is being brought to you this week by the Major Spoilers VIPs. You can show your support for this show if you find some value in it. Kick a little back our way by becoming a VIP member at members.majorspoilers.com. Well, hello, everyone. Once again, welcome back to Finally Friday. We've made it to the end of another week. And uh, oh, hi, Olin. Olin is there, and I see a number of you starting to show up in the YouTube chat room. Uh, this week, we have Dr. Brad Will joining us once again. Hi, Brad. How hey. are you? I'm doing great. And uh, so I had Brad come in, and, and we've kind of been teasing this um, throughout the week and uh, on, our, on our social media pages. But something I've noticed about Brad... Uh, Over the couple of years that I have have known him, especially when I found out he was really into the Cthulhu mythos and Lovecraft and those kinds of things. And we started to play the Cthulhu Wars game that you can find right here on our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers, video. Uh, Brad seems to favor the King in Yellow quite a bit and Haster. And we won't mention his name too much because we don't want people to uh, get carried away. Yeah, that would be a problem. (laughs) But... The more I started watching Brad, the more he seems to be really, really fascinated <laughs> with The King in Yellow and The Yellow Sign. And so I thought today we would talk about this a little bit more in depth. Yeah. And and we're kind of uh, couching this in. This is not just a random reason that we're talking about The King in Yellow. The uh, We've also been playing Eldritch Horror, which is a fun, fascinating game. And I cannot wait to get that game on Munchkin land on the video version of Munchkin land, but there is a new expansion, Brad, that is coming out.
0: Yeah. Signs of Carcosa is coming out probably uh, any day now, probably next week sometime.
1: Oh man. I wish it was out now because I'm going to go to a game store tomorrow. Yeah. And I was hoping that they would have it.
0: You might be able to shake somebody down if they got it today.
1: Mm. Yes. Do you have it? I do not. Okay, yeah. so so what is what is the um, Signs of Carcosa expansion about?
0: So this is the expansion where the well the great old one who is threatening the world is of course Haster, mm-hmm. and uh, this one this expansion only comes with one great old one, which is kind of unusual for them. Um, but so it's all about Haster and the King in Yellow, the play, and all of the horrible madness that uh, comes along with all that business.
1: Ooh, it sounds creepy. It does. It does sound creepy. So that's coming out. So. Here's the thing yep. I and, and I guess b- because it's been so accepted over the years or because it's become part of the Cthulhu mythos. I always thought King and Yellow and Haster and all these things were originally just all Lovecraft stuff. All Lovecraft creations, part of this bigger thing. But then I come to find out oh, this is about two years ago, mm-hmm. um, maybe more than two years ago, when the first season of True Detective was on HBO and Carcosa and the King in Yellow came up a number of times in that show. And so yep. I started looking into it a little bit more and lo and behold, it says, really, this is nothing to do with Lovecraft except Lovecraft became a fan of it. So what is, what is the King in Yellow?
0: So the King in Yellow is, well, the King in Yellow is a, the creation of Robert W. Chambers. Okay. Who um, put out an anthology in 1895. All right. Called the King in Yellow.
1: There is a copy of the book.
0: And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little, collection i guess yeah although i've not read the whole thing
1: no because really everyone says really the, it's as far as the king and yellow stuff goes yeah and the yellow sign goes you only really need to read the first four stories right. in the book um it's an anthology book and so the first four have the more macabre horror aspect of it and the final stories are just kind of blah 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 kind of stories
0: well they're a little they're they're weird stories but they're not that weird. i mean they're sort of technically weird stories right but not uh awesomely weird stories
1: okay yeah so what, what, what's the book about?
0: Well, so the book's about all sorts of different things. But The King in Yellow, the play, is, mm-hmm. is kind of the central theme. of
1: this Yeah, this is, this is really weird about, uh, about this book because it's the title of the book, The King in Yellow. Yes. There is a character that is the Yellow King or the King in Yellow. Sort of. And then the whole aspect of this world that uh, Robert Chambers created is that there is a play that's circulating out there called The King in Yellow, yeah. that if you read it, will you, drive you crazy and insane.
0: Go crazy and insane, or at the very least, at the very least, you, you succumb to a weird sort of melancholic depression, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very least. At the very least, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and th- this book is so dangerous that, appa- or the play is so dangerous that apparently once the author finished it, and this is in the, the world of, that Chambers has created about this, uh, the author shot himself in the head, supposedly, Um, the many countries of the world have tried to ban this book, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and cite it as dangerous. Um, just merely glimpsing the yellow sign is enough to put you into some kind of despair.
0: So in Chambers world, the yellow sign is something else. Okay. Uh, the yellow sign is, is, um, in one story called the yellow sign. Mm -hmm. Uh, the yellow sign is, is maybe like a golden amulet or pendant kind of thing. Okay. And, uh, that... Thing has some degree of power
1: okay we don't know what kind of degree of power or no, we don't no. okay
0: but that's what that's what the yellow sign is in chambers now and so we'll talk about this but but all of this stuff <clears throat> gets kind of uh screwed around in the lovecraft version of this or or what becomes associated with the lovecraft version of this so mm-hmm. sort of the post lovecraft idea of the king in yellow and the yellow sign and all that stuff
1: well, so, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about the first book first, the first okay. uh, st- short story, All The right. King in Yellow, inside, or The Yellow King, inside. <laughs> I, I, it's so hard to remember <laughs> so because the, they use them so interchangeably the f- and back and forth and everything. So the first story, the first story is though, The, is repair, the of repair of Reputations. Reputations.
0: Yeah, The Repair of Reputations is an awesomely bizarre little story about a guy who is um, just bug-eyed crazy. Uh, he has he has had a complete psychotic break mm-hmm. and uh, well he just
1: has recently gotten out of the uh out of the insane asylum
0: yes yeah so he is he was i think kicked by a horse or something Yeah, yeah. fell off a horse something and uh mm-hmm. uh had some had a psychotic episode was placed in an insane asylum under the care of a psychiatrist and has been released um and then as the story goes on you find out that he has harbors a great deal of resentment toward his psychiatrist and mm-hmm. his plans to kill him. Uh, he's up for murder. Yeah. Uh, and move
1: that mic Mike, a little, just a little bit closer, a little closer. Yeah. yeah I think that'll because help. I
0: have this lovely voice.
1: Try oh, that. Oh, there we go. Is that better. I think so.
0: Okay, good. You'll edit that out when we go live. No, nah,
1: right? we're live now.
0: <laughs> anyway. So this guy has got, um, a problem. And it is, uh, uh, you know, sort of becomes increasingly clear as the story goes on that he is not not playing with a full deck, as it were.
1: That's what it appears. I mean, he thinks that his brother is going to become the, the, the new king of um, of America.
0: Yeah. So there is there is in his mind an American empire and he has a little book that explains uh, all the succession of people in the American empire. Mm-hmm. And he believes that his older brother, uh, is in the succession and thus he is too. And so he has this thing about eliminating his older brother. And there's also another girl his older brother likes, and maybe she is, uh, her father maybe a marquis of some, place in England and they're yeah. both in hiding and it's, it's, it's really convoluted and a little crazy.
1: Well, and, and not only that, but the, the character that's telling us the story in this, he has met another guy, the repair of reputations yeah. who supposedly has control over tens of thousands of people because he knows things about them and essentially helps them out or does favors for them in exchange for them doing whatever he says. Yeah. And so he is able to, he's basically like a, 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 uh, Early
0: form PR guy, mm-hmm. but his PR is, is really shady. Um, yeah. So he has, he has all these contacts and he can, can twist these contacts into doing his bidding. Yeah. 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 And they also might be slightly psychotic.
1: The first time you read this. So this was written in 1897, 95. 95. Yeah. The Repair of Reputations is kind of a future story. So the first time you read it, it says, in by 1920, these things had happened. Uh, we had created suicide booths where people could go kill themselves. I mean, if you watch Futurama, yeah. uh, the suicide booth is there, but that's uh, that's the, the Repair of Reputations is where it first pops up. Uh, we learn about this guy and his desire to become king of America through this uh, secession of reputations. And you're like, OK, so this is a future story. The chamber sets up a lot of time telling us about the uh, sociopolitical uh, s- uh, system in the world that, that's set up. So we really kind of believe that this is a future story. Mm-hmm. And so we start to buy into a lot of this stuff, even to the point where we kind of hear him say, well, you know, I settled my psychiatrist hash is essentially one of the yeah. lines that he says. Doesn't <laughs> he just says I settled his, I settled my debts with him or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you, and the first time you read through it, you're like, OK, this something's happening maybe this guy isn't all there. Yeah. The second time you read it, you're like, no, no, this guy's definitely crazy. And the repairer of reputations may also be really crazy. Yeah. Or is really crazy. And they're feeding on, on each other with the, with their delirium yeah. uh, upon each other.
0: Yeah. Maybe their delusional psychosis is, is somehow
1: boosting one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But then what happens like the third and fourth time you read the third this, and fourth
0: time you read it, you realize that maybe Um, maybe they're not quite as delusional as you think they are. And uh, maybe these guys are more in tune with reality that no one else knows about. And so maybe they've got a a different, maybe they're perceiving reality differently. That is to say, maybe there's a different reality they're perceiving.
1: And, and, and maybe it's because they've read the play. Yeah. And, and there is no, there is no real play of the, of the King in Yellow. Um, Well, I mean, some people have attempted to write it, but in the, in the book that Chambers wrote, he keeps everything intentionally vague about what all this is, but he does include like sections of the play in the, in the book. Uh, You get like scene one, act one, or scene one, act three, or something like that. And so you kind of get a little bit of understanding of what the play's about without really getting into stuff that is, this is going to make you crazy if you finish this. Right. Right. Except that <laughs> if it takes three times for you to start questioning what is reality and what's not reality and which one of these guys is delusional and not delusional, you almost kind of go a little bit crazy yourself. It'd and so I'm worried bit, about yeah. you, Brad.
0: Yeah, well, you can be. That's all right. That's all right.
1: So what else do we need to know about these four short stories? Oh, I'm I mean, that's the repair of reputations, which yeah. I find is fast. It's, it's one of, it's, it's the best one of the, of the four. If you're going to read them, I think. I think so too.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the one that's just really around the bend. Probably the scariest or the most chilling of the four, uh, is the yellow sign.
1: hmm Is that uh, the painter one? Yeah. This okay. guy's a painter and, mm-hmm. and his
0: model who sort of becomes his girlfriend and, um, he's, he's put off by, uh, a caretaker at a local church. Who seems um oddly pale and puffy, he says like a uh, like a coffin worm or something like that, oh really, yeah, and so and then later another fellow tells a story about the presentation he had with this uh-huh. puffy fellow and and that that started to get a little physical, and he grabbed the guy's hand and three of his fingers come off. Ah. yeah, yeah uh, and and then they realize there's something not right about this, and this fellow the painter and his girlfriend are sharing this nightmare. That is, they Mm -hmm. they each seem to be uh, all having this nightmare in which uh, the puffy maybe dead guy is uh, driving a hearse down the road Mm -hmm. and she can see the hearse and she knows that the painter is in the hearse Mm -hmm. and the painter has a dream and he knows he's in the hearse, and somehow she's he can looking see down. Out. Yeah. yeah, and he can see her. Like maybe a glass a coffin kind of thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's yeah, it's really creepy. And then yeah. uh, they believe that the guy that's watching him from the church is like a like something that eats eats dead bodies kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's pretty terrifying. It
0: is. It is really creepy. It Reminds
1: me. Do you remember the movie? Oh, when I kids? think so. I didn't watch a lot of horror movies when I was a kid because it freaked me out.
0: Yeah, this was a really good. Movie. Betty Davis played a minor role in it. Um, but this guy keeps having this dream of a horse drawn or no, maybe not a horse. It's just a hearse mm-hmm. like an old fashioned hearse mm-hmm. that comes riding up, driving up to the, uh, to the house where he's staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched it when
1: it just terrified <laughs> me. Like, uh, so at some point, you know, this is 1895 when this book comes out. Yeah. But then when we start reading Lovecraft and we start seeing everything that he is developing and and he's developing things in uh, his own mythos he's he's developing this by the 1920s early 1930s and then suddenly he starts to inc- he starts to incorporate some king and yellow stuff and it and it's like oh well he's just naturally borrowing like he's borrowed from other writers yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of their concepts and stuff but Lovecraft didn't even know anything about this Chambers book and until much much later into his writing right well in in 1927
0: uh, Lovecraft writes a really cool article, mm-hmm. uh, supernatural horror in literature. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, he writes it for a little, what's the name of the, It's a little, oh, I can't remember what the name of the
1: astonishing tales, weird tales. No,
0: no, it's, it's really tiny. It's a really nothing. I bet I got a note on it. Hang on. <laughs> it's uh, I wrote this down. Oh yeah. The recluse. Okay. Yeah. So he, he publishes this, uh, this little article in a, in a little magazine called the recluse. And he writes up, you know, here are some cool stories. And there's a section on Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. There's a section on sort of uh, supernatural horror in the, in the U.S., supernatural horror in Britain. And he talks about this is a cool author, and here's some cool things this person has read. And he submits the typescript for publication, and the editor of the, of the magazine, Paul Cook, says, I, uh, you know, you really should do something about uh, Robert W. Chambers. And mm-hmm. Lovecraft says, I have no idea who that is. So Cook loans him uh, the King in Yellow, and so mm. the last the last minute addition to supernatural horn literature mm-hmm. is um, a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs about Chambers and the King in Yellow and the repair of reputations, and so that's um, that's how Lovecraft finds out about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now Lovecraft had also read Bierce uh, Ambrose Bierce. Uh, right was is actually the original source of the business about Haster and
1: Carcosa. Okay, um, but Bierce was writing several years before Chambers, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like how? What? What year do you know? Civil War. Era. Okay, so yeah. 1860s. Yeah, 1860s. 1860s yeah. Okay, yeah. And so what's really fascinating is that. Oh, let me see if I can find the Carcosa uh, quote here. Uh, so, uh, um, no, this is the Chambers bit. Uh, Bierce had kind of mentioned. An inhabitant of of uh, Carcosa. This is uh, eighteen ninety one. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And we don't know what Carcosa is, although many people assume that it is Carcassonne uh, in France. Um, oh, okay. But in the way that Chambers transforms Carcosa, he says, "Along the shore, the cloud waves break. The twin suns seek behind the lake. The shadows lengthen in Carcosa." Okay. Strange is the night where black stars lie and strange moon circles through the sky. But stranger still is a lost Carcosa. What yeah. is Carcosa supposed to be? Well, this sounds like is... some crazy place. I've never seen two moons and yeah. crazy black filled skies and black stars in the sky. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So it is it is somebody's uh, drug fueled fantasy. Right. You think up there in the Hades up in the uh, constellation of Taurus, I believe. Mm. is Where it's supposed to be. Located. Oh, really? OK. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, mm, mm, um, cool stuff, but for beers, interestingly, and we need to get to this eventually, but uh, for beers, Haster is a location.
1: Oh, Haster is a location, not an elder God.
0: Right. And Haster in chambers is also a location. There's another story in the chambers book where there's a character, a minor character who is named Haster. Mm -hmm. Um, but clearly is not the entity that we think of Haster associated with Lovecraft. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point this all gets kind of messed around uh, and I think we can probably blame August Derleth for, for moving from Haster, the location to Haster, some kind of weird cosmic entity. Okay. So
1: for the listeners who haven't heard us talk about Derleth before, why is Derleth important in all this? I mean, what I know of Derleth is he was corresponding with Lovecraft um he was younger wasn't he uh, also yeah. in, uh, was he the 14-year-old from Florida or no, is that somebody else that's uh, somebody else I think right. but he was corresponding with with Lovecraft and pitching him ideas and yeah um I guess got in in the notion that when Lovecraft passed that he was the inheritor of everything
0: he became his um sort of literary executor yes and in and had probably no real reason for doing that except
1: he did it just so. somewhat implied in yeah. in a letter that Mm-mm. Lovecraft had sent to him saying, please take care of my stuff whenever I'm dead or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and so he just said, Oh, this means I, I own all of the Lovecraft materials. Yeah. I will go and collect these in volumes and stuff. But he also did some other things be, uh, besides just try to milk, uh, milk dead well, Lovecraft well, for did, all he was I mean, worth. He,
0: if, if it weren't for Derleth, we wouldn't know who Lovecraft is. Right. Durlith created the Arkham House publishing, uh, republished and, and, uh, Lovecraft stuff and saw that it did not fall out of print. Uh, but Derleth also grabbed some partial texts of Lovecraft's and finished them as if it were a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And uh, then also just wrote a bunch of stuff of the Cthulhu mythos, but in a really bizarrely kind of, in my opinion, wrong-headed way and actually in the opinion of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So the, the story in which Haster figures for Derleth is um, one in which it's. Um, I can't remember what does that one. Take? I, got, I got a note on. You've that got one notes too. on everything. I got man. notes on everything because I can't remember stuff for more than five minutes. The Return of Haster. Oh yeah, that's it. The, the return, return of Haster. It sounds yeah. like a horrible a sci-fi horrible sequel that you yeah. see
1: at midnight on your local yeah. <laughs> local programming.
0: And uh, in in this story, uh, Haster and Cthulhu are sort of at each other, mm-hmm. um, or at least their minions are at each other, and. Uh, Durleth lays out this plan where the great old ones are the bad guys. And then there are elder gods who are the good guys. And Cthulhu is uh, associated with water. And um, Haster, I think, is associated with air. Anyway, every every great old one gets associated with an mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of goofy and not worth reading. Go ahead and skip it. Um, don't read it. Yeah, that's basically what I'll tell you.
1: Well, the thing that's interesting about this I guess for me, when I, when I look at, and I'm reading, uh, the King in Yellow, and then I'm reading Cthulhu, uh, reading Lovecraft stuff, especially as we get into the mountains of madness, uh, from Lovecraft. And as we get into, um, uh, oh, what the heck is a, a, um, Hunter in the Dark, I think mm-hmm. is the, the uh, Haunter in the Dark. Haunter, yeah. We start to spell out what all these things are, right? I mean, yeah. who's the guy that like, um. Uh, He gets transported forward to the uh, Yigians, and we start to learn that there's time travel that's going on, and that there's creatures that are much smarter than us. And we learn that there are these elder gods that are out there, and they may have populated the Earth billions upon billions of years ago. And maybe we were a rejected experiment that got a little out of hand, and back and forth, and. By the time you get done reading and studying all the stuff that Lovecraft actually wrote, even the collaboration stuff, there's not a whole lot of mystery about what these things are. I mean, there still are, but it really gets, by the time you're saying, well, yes, these guys came here millions of, billions of years ago and inhabited the planet and uh, did experiments and those experiments led to us and these kinds of things. Some of that mystery is taken away, I think, from some of the joys of what are these spooky monster things. Maybe. Whereas when you read The King in Yellow, you have no idea what Carcosa is. And yet you have people saying, I have seen Carcosa and have you seen the yellow sign? And you have these things and and they're not really explained. And so you're like, what is this stuff? Nobody says, have you seen the yellow
0: sign? That's another, that's another thing we can talk about. Okay. No, okay. here's the deal. Okay. So for Lovecraft, there are forces in the universe that are, more complex than human beings can comprehend. Mm-hmm. So there are these incomprehensible entities um, that exist in the universe. Right. right. And, but we can sort of get glimpses or impressions of them and know them in some sort of ways. Right? Mm-hmm. They manifest as Cthulhu or Arl-Thotep, Um, And they exist, but they exist in ways that we can't quite understand. Right. In Chambers stuff, in the King and Yellow stuff, not Lovecraftian mm-hmm. King in Yellow. Right. There is maybe this other reality of Carcosa, and it exists in a way that we can understand only if we become psychotic and are dissociated from this reality. Mm-hmm. So that's a different thing altogether, but the business of Carcosa is all sort of also weirdly mundane. Like if, if there really is the great American empire and if there really is a line of succession, right. And the king in yellow really is a king in some sort of sense. Um, then that's not kind of weirdly otherworldly ungraspable. It's mm-hmm. just otherworldly in, we're just not tuned into that. So there's this scene in, in repair of reputations where, uh, Castillon, the, the narrator talks about opening the safe. Right. Uh, It's, it's got a special time lock on Mm -hmm. it. And he pulls out this beautiful golden crown and he wears it uh, in preparation for becoming the king in yellow. Right. King of America. And then later we see his cousin or his brother comes in. Who's his cousin?
1: And maybe it's a cousin. Yeah.
0: That's brother. And, um, he says what he catches him wearing the crown. He's like, why are you wearing that that cardboard crown? It must be like like from Burger King. Yeah, or something yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Like, why are you wearing that cardboard crown? What's the, you know? He's got this little glass jewel uh-huh. stuck in it. What are you doing with that? And so he takes it off his head, and then the, the cousin who is in tune with our reality, right, uh, says, "I'm just going to put it back in this bread box here." Yeah, which yeah, is Apparently, the safe that the other guy got it out of, and so you get this sense that maybe though that crown really is a real crown because at another point. Mm-hmm. In a conversation with another character, uh, the narrator says, "Well, my friend, Mister Wilde, the repair of reputations, knows where stuff is that other people don't know about." And the friend, this other guy, is an armorer, and he right. is restoring armor. Mm-hmm. And he's and the narrator says, "I know that you've been looking for the left yeah grief like yeah some something. part yeah. Yeah, yeah some famous thing." And he says, "I happen to know that Mister Wilde told me that it's buried in a trash heap in the back of this theater." And if you go back there and look, you'll find it. And so the guy goes and he does find it. That is Mr. Wild actually does have access to what appears to be real information about the world. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Wild and maybe the narrator are not completely crazy. Maybe, maybe they are just in tune to some other reality. Yeah. Now here's where this gets really important though. Because for me, I came to the King in Yellow through playing the call of Cthulhu. Okay. So in the call of Cthulhu, you know, it's a role playing game in which mm-hmm. you play a character who's investigating some sort of threat to the world. Right. And, um, if the King in yellow is just some sort of crazy delusional thing, then there is no threat to the world and there's nothing mm-hmm. to stop. And, you know, impending doom is not really happening. So I came to this through that notion in which all of this stuff is impending doom. Mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. so all the crazy that the characters in chamber stories experience Uh, isn't just their own personal doom. It is the doom of the whole world because they've got to have a touch of something. Yeah. So at least when I read this stuff, for me, The King in Yellow has always been, yeah, there's this nasty, horrible thing that's threatening on the edge of reality and threatening to encroach into this reality from somewhere else. That's where I come from.
1: Right, right. So, but there is this, how do we go then from an interpretation of Haster and the King in Yellow and how it ties into the Lovecraft mythos that Durleth um, adds to, or Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say appropriates because he's not really doing that. Because again, Lovecraft was basically like, hey, I'm going to borrow from other people's stuff. Other people, it's fine if you want to borrow from my stuff, incorporate it into your stories, whatever. How do we get from uh, Chambers to Lovecraft to Durleth to Sandy Peterson and what he puts then in the call of Cthulhu. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, so, so and because I
1: mean, you get into the, the grimoire, the, the monster manual part of, um, call of Cthulhu and they've got big sections on both the, the King in yellow and Haster and, you know, go ahead and answer that part. Then I've got to give a okay, uh, well, follow so, up.
0: So, so, so Sandy comes to it the same way anybody else would. That is, um, uh, dirtless stuff, though a lot of people read it and go, "Oh, this is crap." Mm-hmm. Uh, is part of the Cthulhu mythos, mm-hmm. right? And Lovecraft actually wrote about Haster and the King in Yellow. So there's the Whisper in Darkness, right? You know the story with the fungi from Yuggoth, right? And uh, this doesn't spoil much of that story, but at one point, uh, the narrator is corresponding with this guy in this other town, and the other guy in the other town is being threatened and uh, by these crazy alien fungi from mm-hmm. another planet. And he thinks they're going to get him. And he tells his friend, oh, my God, they're going to get me.
1: And then suddenly he's like, nope, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah.
0: Then he sends back this letter and he goes, everything's fine. Don't worry about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that guy I told you to kill on site. Nah, don't worry. It's all a mistake.
0: Yeah. And so in this letter where the guy's like, don't worry about it, which turns out to be a letter actually written by the aliens. Right. Right. And the aliens go, yeah, you know, all that trouble we had when I sent you that package and it got intercepted. And every time I would send you a letter, somebody would intercept it and you would send me Mm -hmm. a letter. Don't worry about that. That is just it was what he also says the aliens are good guys. Mm-hmm. So the aliens write those letter going, Hey, by the way, the aliens are really cool. <laughs> hey, it turns out they're really nice, right? And, he, and they said, You know, that trouble we were having, that wasn't the aliens, that was the guys in the Haster and King and Yellow cult.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
0: Haster and King and Yellow cult have been working against the good guy aliens all this time. And uh, that's
1: who's really giving us trouble.
0: Yeah. What the yeah. hell is that, right? Because,
1: like, yeah, but that's just Lovecraft dumping that in, right? It's kind of yeah. because that just because the because that. Yeah. that whole yeah. cult right there, I think, is that the only time that it's appeared in in the Lovecraft stories, and it's kind of like Lovecraft going, okay, uh, yes, here's this here's this fun little bit that I'm giving you guys.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really weird because because it's not even the like, same. It's like it's like the bad guy aliens invent. Yeah, yeah. The Haster and King and Yellow cult. I, I, I like it's just so like. What the heck? Like I don't even know what to do with that. Really, right, right. You know, because they just, they just you just lays them. it out there. I mean, yeah. but that's
1: kind of like mat- mountains of madness as they're going through and they're reading the hieroglyphs and they're finding out all about these oh, yeah. elder gods and th- stuff. And you're getting this whole history thing. It's just like where is this coming from? And then this is the same way with with uh, the king in yellow and Haster is that boom there it is. Yeah, and then it just moves on from there and doesn't need to explain or, anything else.
0: Actually, maybe it's Haster and the yellow sign cult. That's what it is. Okay, so yeah,
1: so the the second question then that was leading up to that is how does suddenly uh, the king in yellow become a servant to Haster? How, how, how come these two are always tied together? Because that's what, that's one of the things in um, the Cthulhu Wars game is that you actually, you Brad have actually been controlling two gods while the rest of us only get to control one elder God or one elder thing.
0: Right. Well, and maybe, maybe depending upon what you read, the king in yellow is an avatar of Haster ah, is like a an, projection a different manifestation of the same thing yeah. okay um, and maybe yeah so so the the yeah there's a really cool um, call of Cthulhu uh, adventure called mm-hmm. tell me have you seen the yellow sign okay do you know this no I have not okay so this is you used the phrase a minute ago yeah yeah have you seen the yellow sign uh-huh. which is weirdly ubiquitous. That's the phrase that people associate with the yellow sign. Have you seen the yellow sign? Mm -hmm. That doesn't appear in chambers In chambers. They say, have you found the yellow sign? Right. Right. Because the yellow sign is a single item. It's a one, it's one thing Mm -hmm. in this call of Cthulhu adventure written by a guy named Kevin Ross. I think, um, the yellow sign becomes, uh, thing that is spread around the city of new Orleans, Mm -hmm. multiple copies of it. And if someone sees it or the more you're exposed to it, sort of loopier, crazier you get. And, um, these guys are trying to bring Carcosa and the Lake of Holly, uh, try to manifest them in over like overlink Ponchatrain uh, and create this sort of warped reality where they're bringing in the reality of Carcosa into, the reality of new Orleans and then thus generate and summon the king in
1: yellow. And so that so. whole phrase is just right from a game that was inspired by all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. By wow. the way, I totally a module. I uh,
0: totally, re- totally spoiled all of that. Anyway. No, that's okay. Sorry, Sorry that's okay. everybody. I mean, you can go find
1: it. You can go find it. It's called, tell me, have you seen the yellow sign trail yeah. of Cthulhu conversion notes? And it's uh how to play this inside of the call of Cthulhu game, right?
0: Yeah. Well, that's how to play inside trail of Cthulhu, which is an entirely different game.
1: Yeah. Well, what's the difference? I mean, let's deviate from that. What is the difference between Trail of Cthulhu and the, the Call of Cthulhu? Okay. So Trail of Cthulhu
0: is, was written by Ken Hite as an adaptation of the Gumshoe game. Right. Which was written by Robin D. Laws. Okay. Gumshoe is a thirties noir private eye kind mm-hmm. of game. Right. And Trail of Cthulhu is, let's throw some Cthulhu flavor into this. Okay. It's all very similar to Call of Cthulhu. In fact, um, both Trail of Cthulhu and I think Gumshoe even uh, credit, but certainly Trail of Cthulhu credit Sandy Peterson as like almost a co creator. Like yeah. we totally ripped off Call of Cthulhu when we made this game. Right. Good job, Sandy Peterson. Um, but the difference in playing—I mean, it's much a little more complicated than this. But the difference in playing Trail of Cthulhu and Call of Cthulhu is in Trail of Cthulhu you get all the information you have to like do a do a special check mm-hmm. like if there's a if there's something weird in this library the game master basically goes and there's something weird in this library here it is so you as opposed to in call of cthulhu if there's something weird in this library you have to check your library skills to see if you're sharp enough to actually uh, find okay. it okay and if you're not tough you don't get that clue yeah interesting anyway so that was a weird diversion there thanks
1: well okay so but then this is a question I was probably going to get to at some point, and I don't know how much you've looked into it, but just the red asked the question: What is it with yellow? Why, why the yellow king? Why, why the the yellow sign? I,
0: you know, I I don't know except that, um, you know, in in the end of the nineteenth century, yellow mm-hmm. was really a thing. Like right, it kept coming up. Right, right. I mean, you've got the yellow apparel, you've got yellow journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that comes up is really a cool parallel with yellow sign and repair of reputations is, uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, Charlotte Perkins Gilman's, uh, the yellow wallpaper, mm. which is also about someone
1: having a psychotic break with the, and the yellow is associated with that. I mean, yellow is kind of also associated with sickness. Yeah. yeah. Right. So jaundice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so it's
0: generally considered a horrible, nasty thing. I mean, like nobody, nobody looks good wearing yellow. You know, nobody does. We, you know, have, Fort Hays State University and their colors is gold. Gold, and, oh, man. And so it's Friday, and one of the things in town is everybody should wear tiger gold on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, really, it's really remarkable how horrible people's skin looks. Oh yeah, yeah. When they wear, and yellow. that's why I
1: don't like when uh, the College of Business made yeah. us buy, had bought those all kind of goldish yellow um, polo shirts. Yeah, and yeah. I like refused to wear mine because I just looked horrible in it. But yeah. I'll wear the black and gold uh, polo shirt, but yeah. not the. Not the all yellow one. Yeah. It looks gross. Yeah. yeah. And
0: and Pikachu's horrible looking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Pikachu may be a minion of Cthulhu. We may never know. Um, uh, Olin says yellow is the color of happiness though. And I suppose if you are someone like wild, the repair of reputations and the narrator of um, uh, the repair of reputations, then maybe you are happy because you've attuned into that other way of thinking. Yeah. Those
0: guys aren't miserable at all.
1: Until, you know, they start killing everybody until, and,
0: until the cat gets after
1: him. Well, now that's interesting because in the book, the narrator finds the repair of reputations on the floor and he's been all killed. Right. He says the cat did it nearly killed. Yeah. Nearly killed. Oh, the cat got at me again. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And he goes looking around for the cat in the darkness. And he doesn't find it. And then the guy's dead. And so suddenly it's like the chief of police or somebody comes out of the darkness. Like they've all been almost waiting oh, there for okay. him.
0: Um, no, there's a, well, that's maybe, I think you may be confusing a couple of scenes, but yeah. okay.
1: But in, yeah. in, 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 regardless, the implication is our narrator has killed
0: I don't the that, repair of no. reputations. No, you no, don't think so? No, I mean it's the okay. Cat. I really, All right. I really think it's the
1: cat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You really yeah. think the cat
0: killed I him? I don't think, I, you know, there's, you know, the business of the unreliable narrator, right? Mm-hmm. And so Poe was really good at the unreliable right. narrator. Uh, and, um, in fact, the black cat has a really cool, unreliable narrator that most people don't even know is an unreliable narrator. Um, but the narrator of, of, okay, let's, you know, you know, the yellow wallpaper. Yeah. Okay. So in that story, Gilman, who's in sort of an autobiographical thing, she's, she's recounting her own madness Mm -hmm. and she is reliable in that you are confident that the things that she is saying happened right. are the things that she perceived to have happened. Right. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, clearly things didn't pop out of the, uh, out of the wallpaper to get her or whatnot, mm-hmm. but there's something going on there. And so she's maybe unreliable in that, you know, she's mad, but, but that's part of the picture, right?
1: Is that, is that a good thing to include when you're trying to write these kind of of things, this this unreliable narrator, whether it be somebody saying, "Let me tell you what happened on this crazy island that I was trapped on for years," or, or whatever. But yeah I don't know. You don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't write this stuff.
0: Man. I okay. Just read it.
1: I know, yeah. but I didn't know. As you're the, you're the, <laughs> well, uh so,
0: a, you're, well, so Lovecraft's all of Lovecraft's narrators all start off by saying, "Oh, you're going to think I'm crazy, mm-hmm. right?" But none of them are unreliable narrators. Right. They all are recounting
1: the experience yeah. they had. Right. The dog is dragging me away as I write this last line And <laughs> ah. <in> this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, like, and so I'm not sure that Chambers, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily if you say Chambers narrators are unreliable. Yeah, but, but does
1: that make it spookier, though? That's what I'm wondering. Right. Does that well, in, in, in heighten the intensity of the experience that you're reading, what part of this is real and what part of it isn't.
0: Right. Or maybe is it more real? Like, are they hyper real? Are mm-hmm. they, are they into some sort of hyper reality mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. that is just above the reality that everybody else is functioning at? Mm-hmm. And so that it's not, you know, they're not, that narrator is not unreliable in the sense of sort of a Poe narrator being unreliable where mm-hmm. there might be just somebody who's just straight up lying to you. Right. Like the right. Guy, the narrator of the black cat is probably lying in almost every story he tells. Okay. The black cat. Um, okay. Okay.
1: That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Olin says, uh, speaking about the color yellow, it's an eye irritant and a highly emotional color. After long periods of time, yellow invokes f- feelings of anger and hostility. However, yellow in small doses is a friendly, happy color. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks, Walmart. Yeah. And uh, Just the Red says, well, that explains so much about Pikachu then. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so what is it about the yellow sign then? Why is this, you said this is something different then?
0: Okay, so there's the yellow sign in Chambers, which is mm-hmm. a thing mm-hmm. right? and then there's the yellow sign that is mentioned in Lovecraft but not really articulated in any kind of way then in tell me have you seen the yellow sign mm-hmm. Kevin Roberts includes in there an illustration of the yellow sign right which is the illustration of the yellow sign that
1: we all know and love right this is the one that I'm going to pop up right now this weird uh, symbol that looks like a question mark with arms coming yeah. off of it kind of kind thing of the yeah. tentacled question mark yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so that is um and so who came up with this one? That's Kevin Ross. Oh, so who, Kevin Ross. So this is like a eighty-one, ninety-one, somewhere around there, three-ish, eighty-three. 83? Okay, so 85. this that's where this one's been around for yeah. that long. Okay, yeah. yeah. So well, yeah. and that, because I was going to ask that question about this symbol, because in True Detective, did you watch first season of True Detective? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in True Detective, it's actually just a, a spiral, right? That they that they say is the yellow sign, right? Because that yellow sign. Or the
0: the one we all know Mm -hmm. is actually uh, unlike most things Lovecraftian. That yellow sign I understand to be copyrighted by Chaosium. Oh, okay. And in fact, so I'm going to get in trouble
1: for showing this then.
0: No, they won't care.
1: We we just (laughs) we just credited them. Okay. Uh,
0: No, but I was talking to your little fez buddies.
1: Yeah. uh, Who make your fezes? Fezmonger. Fezmonger. I'm sorry, Fezorama. Fezmonger is his. uh, Fezmonger is his um, Twitter handle.
0: I was talking to the Fezorama guys. At uh, Gen Con, and mm-hmm. I said, hey, you know, I would just love to have a yellow-signed Fez. And he yeah. was like, yeah, but you're never going to get it. And I mm. said, why not? And he said, well, they've got a copyright on that, and I'm not going to bother to pursue Oh,
1: So that's probably why we didn't get that symbol in True Detective then. Yeah, probably. They didn't want to yeah. pay for it. So they're just like, "Ah, hey, we'll just do this little blue swirly thing. Yeah,
0: or even didn't even want to bother to ask to pay for it. Okay. Plus, it's hard to make, it's hard to make birds fly Oh, come Ended on. Mark.
1: Come okay. on. You can do anything. <laughs> you can do anything. It took,
0: them, it took them six months to train those birds to fly. Yes. I'm sure that's what they, yeah.
1: I'm sure that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, so what else do you, what else do we have to share with, um, oh, with all this? I know you've got, you brought a lot of notes this week and yeah, so a lot of things to, to, to talk about.
0: So if, well, okay. So in the, if you want to know more, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the King and Yellow Anthology these days is really easy to find. It's available as an ebook. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's I think it's free. I think if you've got a Kindle, you can get public
1: domain free stuff.
0: Yeah. It's completely public domain. So it's very easy to, to find that, uh, back in the day though. Like, so when I played back in the
1: day is like seventies, eighties. Okay.
0: Eighties. I played this call of Cthulhu adventure. Owned the adventure. I was like, Whoa, this King and yellow stuff sounds cool. Occasionally Lovecraft mentions this, but in the, in the adventure, they explained about the play. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. da, 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 And I was like, oh, I want to
1: read this. I want to find this. So that's where you really got hooked on. This was way back then.
0: Yeah. That's a great adventure. I'm seriously, I'm sorry. I blew it because it's a great, no, that's adventure.
1: okay. It's awesome, awesome. I may mean, have to, to play it sometime. Um, that's okay. Cause I, I tend, there's always a difference between that. I've noticed when I do role playing is there's a difference between player knowledge yeah. and character knowledge. Yeah. And I can really separate those two. And sometimes player knowledge is also as forgettable as the character. knowledge. <laughs> but so, so, so for me, there was this big gap because I
0: could not find this Chambers anthology. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew Repair of Reputations existed, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I think in 1993, Chaosium started publishing fiction mm-hmm. in, in addition to Call of Cthulhu and other games. And they did this anthology, the first anthology they did in their Cycles his, his series, and it's uh, the Haster Cycle. Is that right? It? Yep, yeah, the Haster Cycle. Yeah.
1: Well, in fact, there are some people that really don't want the King in Yellow and any of the Chamber stuff associated with Lovecraft. And so they'd rather call this stuff the Haster cycle as opposed to being part of the Cthulhu mythos. Right, yeah, yeah.
0: But too late. <laughs> 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 the cat is way out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so this book collects um, the Yellow Sign mm-hmm. and repair of Reputations, mm-hmm. uh, Lovecraft's Whisperer in Darkness, a couple of sequels to that. Uh, it has Durlith's um, story, uh, Return of Haster. It has a really cool, a couple of other really cool stories. Um, James Blish's story, More Light, in which he talks about, I can't remember who the second person is. He talks about visiting a friend who really existed. Mm -hmm. And that friend says, oh, by the way, um, Lovecraft, before he died, sent me a typescript of the actual play, King in Yellow, Ah. that Chambers had written. Ah. So Chambers had sent this to Lovecraft, Lovecraft sent this to this other guy. And then James Blish tells the story of the night he tried to read this. And, and that's in this book. And that's, yeah. And oh, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's the story more light, which is really cool. It's a very, and it has pretty much the entire text that purports to be the text of the play of King and Yellow. Um, there's also a story in there oh, called, uh, oh, what is this? Wait a second. I probably got a note on this too. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The River of Nights Dreaming by Carl Edgar Wagner. Okay. Uh, which is about, it starts out as a woman who is, um, in a mental institution and she's at an outing in, in a bus and mm-hmm. the bus, uh, falls in the river or the sea or somebody of water and she gets out of the bus and she swims away and she swims and swims and swims and she makes her way to this weird town across the river and everything is weirdly deserted, but something is following her. And so she goes and finds refuge in this house where there's this older lady and the lady's young maid and they take her in and they put her in the old lady's dead daughter's room. And,
1: um, then things get really weird. Um, finds out she's a mannequin that's only allowed to go out at night kind of thing. No, I mean, things get really weird in that there's (laughs) just, it just sounds like this twilight, the twilight zone episode of the woman that's the, the mannequin. Yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no. So um, the reveal is that she's actually was from there. Is that it in this? No, I don't oh, know. i okay. are gonna talk about what the reveal is. Oh, no. okay.
0: All right. No, but it, there's also, it, in a very, in a very sort of 80s or 90s kind of way, um, there's there's like this lesbian S and M stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Fifty Shades of Yellow. Yeah. Somewhere. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a it's also a really cool story. Um, if you don't find. Lesbian SM stuff written by some guy <laughs> to be uh, really awkwardly yeah yeah weird um, yeah so
1: the Haster Cycle go look it up ladies and gentlemen yeah wonder yeah. if you can get that free as an ebook or something no with your... you
0: cannot no you can but you can you can buy that as an ebook or as a real copy from Chaosium actually. oh okay all right and Chaosium just put out last year a collection of stories about the King and Yellow and the Yellow Sign called Casilda uh, Song oh okay Casilda is a character in the King and Yellow and she sings a song. And um, anyway, this collection, I've, which I've not read, I own it, but I haven't had a chance to read any of it yet, uh, is written entirely by women. So every story. Oh right, was, right, right, right. Written by women. Yeah, woman. yeah, um, yeah. So so we can kind of offset anything weird about um, Wagner's story. Right, What's right.
1: So what is then? I just popped up. What is the uh, the tales the new tales of the yellow sign? New tales of the yellow sign is really good. This I've read all of, and I I love this book. This is Robin
0: D. Laws collection of King in Yellow and Yellow Sign stories. Um, just really good.
1: Steven's Trying playing. to chase the cat He's out of here. throwing stuff He at should not be in here.
0: And playing with the cat. Yellow cat. The yellow cat, yeah. He's going to jump on you, your collection. Shake, shake my, yellow, my <laughs> yellow notebook at him
1: and scare him away. Anyway. So uh, the, sorry, so the, the new Robert, tales of the Yellow yeah, Sign. Yeah,
0: Robin D. Laws' collection is really, 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 really good. Um, among other things, um, The King in Yellow, the play manifests as a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, there's a really cool thing in there. He goes into, one of the stories goes into depth. This guy is living in the, around 2000, turn of the millennium, um, but talks about with his friends in this, in this weird totalitarian state. And they talk, he and his friends talk about how, you know, it was really the King and Yellow really messed the world up when it was published in 1895. Mm, That is the play. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that there was this other book that probably would have been important but uh, was supplanted by the King in Yellow. And that is uh, Marx's, uh, what is it, um, what is Marx's book? Das Kapital? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Capital. capitalism, yeah. yeah. Uh, And uh, that Marx would have been really probably important, uh, would have probably had some kind of major influence on the politics of the world, except that the King in Yellow came out and people got all into this weird French decadence stuff and they didn't pay any attention to Marx. And now we live in this terrible totalitarian society, and it's just horrible. <laughs> uh, and and monsters and things. Wow. Uh, so wow. Yeah, it's just really
1: cool, like neat little twisty stories like that. Um, yeah. Uh, Chaosium still around is a question.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks to Sandy Peterson.
1: It's the only reason why it's around, right? I mean, what this is just a recent story that came out, right? Chaosium was trying yeah. to do. Um, the seventh uh, edition of uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yep. They ran a Kickstarter like two years ago. Yeah, maybe even longer than that. Yeah. Well, I mean. know that I was part of it, and like as soon as the um, as soon as the uh, Kickstarter ended, I got all of the the PDF stuff. They had all the PDF mm-hmm. electronic stuff ready to go, but they screwed up somehow on calculations for the print side. Uh, well, probably probably the biggest screw up was calculations
0: on uh international shipping charges. Oh right, okay. Which were going to be mostly free mm-hmm. uh, and then it turns out, oh my god, international people were really into this book Yeah, and yeah. it turns out it's really heavy. And so, yeah, I think they got a little too generous with their Kickstarter mm-hmm. and blew some things and then um Sandy Peterson who was formerly associated with the uh, the company and another Oh, yeah, I forget the other person. Yeah, the name. other guy who used to be president, they basically came back in and said, okay, we're going to knock this into, into shape. Well, they
1: came back and they found out that the company had like less than $10,000 in no its money. account. No money And at so all. Yeah. Peterson and the other guy, and I don't have his name here in front of me, they basically said, hey, we're going to take our own monies and we're going to fix this situation and make sure Chaosium is still around, which now that we see all the things that were happening with the Call of Cth- or the Cthulhu War stuff, I wonder if Peterson's attention was at the time kind of focusing on making sure chaosium delivered while he was still trying to, you know, juggling multiple uh, balls in the air at the same time.
0: Yeah. I think when, when the first, when the first business, the, the main game, the first section of the main game was shipping. That was about the time that Sandy started stepping in Mm -hmm. and dealing with chaosium. Yeah. And I can't, I don't know the particulars of that, but yeah, you can
1: look it up online. This was a kind of a big thing about how, um, just do a search on how Sandy Peterson saved chaosium or something. Yeah. And you'll find the article. It's a very fascinating. Uh, it's a read. great story. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, what else you got in your notes there, Brad? Cause oh, we're almost yeah. out of time this week. Oh my this gosh. Filled was. up a lot of time this week. Thank you everybody for, uh, uh listening to us talk about King and yellow and yellow sign and all these other things. If you go back and you look, uh, the very first time we played, uh, Cthulhu Wars, uh, go look at it. It's here in this channel. You will find the yellow sign somewhere. Brad is so enamored with the, with the yellow <laughs> sign
0: no one has ever no ever one's pointed it out yet that, okay. yeah so there's there is a there is a yellow sign hidden in that video somewhere yeah and no one has ever mentioned it and when you
1: see it you'll be like
0: well that's not supposed to be there i mean yeah, it's yeah. like something even if you didn't know what you were looking for you should comment on but apparently no one has ever noticed it ever
1: i don't i don't even know if there's a really clear shot i think there's one clear shot of it
0: there's at least one i think there are two or three clear shots yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah, yeah. So it's it's in there Yep, it exists. Yep. Uh, What else you got there in your notes? Anything else? That's it? All right. Well, I think we wrapped up the the conversation on The King in Yellow. Brad's fascinated
0: with it. I'm really, in this Eldritch Horror
1: expansion, I'm hoping it's going to be awesome. Oh,
0: you know what's, well, I was going to talk about that that Blight card.
1: Yeah, let me uh, pull it up here real quick. Um, So, in the Eldritch Horror, we have a Blight card. Yeah, well, they've got this. It's a condition.
0: Yeah, that condition makes all of your little companions in the game Um, basically go nuts. So you flip it over and you find out exactly how their nuttiness manifests itself, right? Yeah. But the Blight, Madness, right, you get uh, as a condition triggered by reading the play, The King in Yellow. So there's another card that is the play, The King in Yellow. Mm -hmm. And on a Reckoning, which is, um, you'll flip up a card and it'll have a symbol on it. Right. And it's Reckoning Time. When Reckoning Time comes around, you get the Blight Madness. But if you have the Blight Madness condition and the play of The King in Yellow, then you get plus two to all your abilities. Wow, that's really cool. It really is. Yeah, it's an awesome mechanic. It's really cool. So so your friends all go crazy. You're better than ever. You're awesome. Yeah, you're happy. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just a mess because you kind of want to read The King in Yellow, but you don't want to read The King in Yellow. But you don't really have a choice because, as with everybody who finds a copy of The King in Yellow, eventually you're going to, read that. you're going
1: to pick it up and look at it. You're yeah. going to say, ah, what is this thing? You flip through the first page or you flip to the middle of the book and suddenly you're, you're going crazy. Do you remember that? Um, twilight, the new twilight zone. Uh, I think it was new twilight zone. Maybe it was the new outer limits where there was a story or there was a joke that people were telling to each other. And when you told it to someone, you went crazy and a lot of the world had gone crazy or this area had gone really insane because they had heard this joke. And so they've made their way, this group has made their way to people, to this house. They haven't been affected, but they know that this is the guy that if they take him out, they can stop this, this plague of madness Uh and they stop him. But as they're getting back into their car and they're turning on the radio, the DJ has said, Oh, somebody just called in with this great joke. Let me tell you. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. No, I don't.
0: It reminds me though, of the Monty Python sketch about the funniest joke in the world. Yeah, but, but that's
1: not funny somebody else can look that up yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know if it is munchkin land 149 it is uh if you just go up into um our youtube channel you will find the uh, the complete listing of all of our munchkin land games in fact we even have a um uh, a playlist that is just for munchkin land and it may be 149 it was earlier this year i don't know it was yeah, it was yeah. It was I think, a while I think ago. We
0: released it in Let me January. Look here.
1: I say. Yeah, I we yeah we played it in October of last year. <laughs> Didn't get around to releasing it until January. It is definitely a number one forty nine Cthulhu Wars. You can go check that out. Yep. And then uh, the yellow sign does not appear in episode one fifty nine Cthulhu Wars expansion game. What someone uh, commented just today about how they. Uh, we're glad that we played the expansion because they got to see the other maps and the other characters on that. So
0: we got more expansions to play, you know?
1: Oh yes. Yes we do. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for the new stuff to start arriving towards the end of the year, hopefully. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of other Cthulhu stuff that we have up our sleeves or somebody's sleeves, (laughs) I guess. So all the, the King and yellow stuff, as we just wrap it up this week, all the King and yellow stuff is in public domain, except for the, the symbol, the yellow sign symbol, from um yeah. from 81. Right. 80 something. 80 something. Yeah. Okay. So you shouldn't have to worry about incorporating it in there somehow, but if you do use that symbol, you're probably going to get in trouble.
0: Probably or or as chaos and maybe they don't care, I don't know. Um but I mean, um I think I think Fantasy Flight uses the yellow, Yeah, they do. They sign. do use yeah. that same yeah. same symbol. Um but they also use the Call of Cthulhu name for their card game and so, you know, whether whether or not, um, I mean, I think everybody recognizes the role Chaosium has had with, mm-hmm. with Lovecraft and the Lovecraft mythos. And so whether or not it's legally mandatory, I couldn't say. But I do know publishers certainly respect what Chaosium has done and right. uh, uh, always give them a good nod.
1: Cool. Yeah. Brad, anything else you want to bring up this week? I'm good. You're going go to go on here. some vacation for a little while. Yeah. That'll be good for you. It will indeed. And uh, <laughs> you're going to have a pleasant summer. I'm sure we're going to have you back more. Oh, yeah. Over the summer. Yeah. Because you got nothing to do now.
0: i got all kinds of stuff to do now, but we'll, we'll pretend like it's nothing.
1: All right. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Brad. And thank you, listeners, for uh, checking us out this week. It's a little bit different. Sometimes I love bringing in... Uh, guests to just talk about one specific uh, uh, topic that's why we didn't take any phone calls uh, this week i'm pretty sure ashley victoria robinson is back next week to talk about stuff and then we'll have some other guests uh, scattered throughout uh, the the year the rest of the year god the year's almost over Not even. Um, no it is it's like half over <laughs> All right. If you like this, please uh, give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Share it on your social medias. That's uh, how we get the word out. I'd love to see our subscriber numbers go through the roof by the end of the year. I, you know, I'm not looking for a million, but you know, even if we hit 50,000 subscribers by the end of the year, that would be great. And as we leave this week, here are all the fantastic people that make this show possible. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time on Finally Friday.